Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the latest on a cell phone hands-free bill being proposed at the state legislature, the U of M gets a record-breaking gift to help with immigration matters and the passing of a Minnesota broadcast legend. But first... It's the final hour of the school day and students are making their way into Mr. Hoffman's choir class at Patrick Henry High School. After Mr. Hoffman makes a few announcements and asks for permission slips for an upcoming concert, artist-in-residence Cortland Pickens starts the rehearsal off with a song called Optimistic. Sit up tall, overdo these dynamics, okay, but I want to see your face. Seven, here we go. There's a joyous feeling in the room as the kids are singing. It's a far cry from what many of us might expect from the heart of North Minneapolis, where most of what we know about the area is what we see in the news about the latest robbery, fire, murder, or protest. The kids in Mr. Hoffman's class are here to sing and learn and laugh. Cortland Pickens says he's here on a sort of mission. Believe it or not, I am alumni. I graduated here back in 2002. I didn't participate in choir at all. I was scared um, to sing when I was younger because I didn't know if I could or not. I didn't start singing until after high school and I found my true passion for singing and um, I wanted to come back and give back to the school. Cortland is very aware of the perception that many people have of this area, but he says... There's so much more to North Minneapolis than the negative imagery that is put out there in the public. And there are kids and students who are positive and um, look for positive outlets. Music and arts happens to be one. Um, and I pride myself on giving back to the Northside community to bring more of a light, a positive light to the community versus negative. There is tons of talented youth here doing some positive things. And I, my prayer is that sooner or later, the good will be highlighted over the evil. Choir student Kiana knows North Minneapolis has a reputation, but she says, Don't judge a book by its cover. Get to know the people, the community. I've known a lot of people that are like family to me. I've moved to Minnesota five years ago, but I have to say, North Minneapolis, I think it's a good community. There's a lot of people that um, bring you closer together and you know more, you know, friend groups, people that you, could, you relate to and can just come to in your time of need. My own philosophy is just to spread light and love to everyone and anyone, really, regardless of where you live. So I think that doing this um, as a school choir, you know, going to different schools and singing for different people, that helps spread the message a little bit. At one point in the rehearsal, the voices aren't lifting as much as Cortland would like, so he stops the choir. On a scale from 1 to 10, 
How do you guys think that was? How was it? No, I'm talking about the actual performance. Whatever, what we just did. That was a three. Three? Any other numbers? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we were going to get this for these last things that I mean, I'm just... Anybody got a cough drop? Girl, I got you. What do you rate it? Oh, good question. I rated it a good um, negative 52. Oh, a negative 52. Because I know we can get a lot better than that. On a A little later in the rehearsal, Cortland asks the kids to close their eyes and listen to him. Because what happens is, when you hear a person singing, that's why I shut my eyes the majority of the song. Because you should be able to feel. Okay, so still have your eyes closed while I'm talking. Still talk, still keep your eyes closed. And just listen, okay? It's a blessing to see people with their heads up to the sky still. Cause honestly, for the same people, life can be so real. Student Taviana says she understands what Cortland means about the importance of feel in music, and she says when the choir is on together as one unit, it's almost indescribable. Oh, it's, it's just beautiful, you know what I'm saying? It's just like heaven in your ears. Oh, man, I just love the, the, the whole experience, you know what I'm saying? It's just so, you know, great. This is great. Choir teacher Peter Hoffman grew up in the suburbs of St. Paul and says he learns plenty from his students every day. For me, growing up where I did, uh, I would say there's a challenge for me to understand culture and language, um, to understand simple things like gesture. Um, it takes time to understand where, where a person is coming from. and. Um, and I think it's the same for them with me, you know, for them to see where I'm coming from. Um, but there's a lot of love here and there's a lot of, they know that I'm working very hard to try to understand. And I feel like I do. I feel like more I work here, I understand. As you can probably imagine, there are many daily challenges facing any high school teacher. But Hoffman says the rewards of being a music teacher at Patrick Henry far outnumber the setbacks. I have to be honest, it's kind of selfish. I just absolutely love hearing them. That it, 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 they sound so good, they sound so beautiful, that sometimes I just get, the, you know, like chills. They, they move me, like I have been moved to tears hearing them sing. And uh, it's because they sing with such passion. It's because they sing with such joy. There is so much emotion that goes into it. There's so much intensity and just so much beauty. And when that happens, it is, it is like magic. And 
it is, I feel very privileged to be able to be part of it. Choir members Kevin and Lacey agree it's a privilege to be a part of this group. It sounds wonderful staying with this group because, you know, it's a whole different point of view that I've never seen because I'm so used to just saying or hearing myself saying, wow, working, working with other people, it, it creates a, it opens my, it opens a, um, you can say a new point of view. I feel like, you know, in the high school movies where everybody's just singing along, and I think it feels good. It, it really does. It feels good. If you take Cortland's advice and close your eyes without the usual distractions and other outside noise that is so often a part of our daily lives, you'll likely hear there's harmony here in the choir room at Patrick Henry High School, and the students and their mentors here are hoping the sound they're making together resonates and rises above the perceptions so many of us have about North Minneapolis. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Sometimes a simple idea can be developed into something big that can change the world. This is Katy Perry. In fourth grade, my music teacher helped me make a vision board. It was a collage that represented all of my hopes and aspirations in music. But what if my teacher didn't have the supplies we needed to make our collages? What if I never got the chance to learn and express my dreams? Unfortunately, that's the reality our teachers face every day. They're forced to spend their own money, sometimes just to keep the classroom running. That's why I'm teaming up again with Staples for Students to donate $1 million to DonorsChoose.org, a charity that helps teachers get what they need to bring learning to life for students. DonorsChoose.org has helped fulfill more than 700,000 classroom projects benefiting more than 18 million students. It's an idea that's changing the world. It's easy to help. Donate in Staples stores or learn more at staplesforstudents.org. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. A bill was introduced at the state capitol this week that would ban use of handheld cell phones while driving in Minnesota. It's a long-standing but so far unsuccessful push at the legislature, which MNN's Bill Werner has been following for a number of years. Bill, does it finally happen this year? Well, Scott, this is the third try for DFL Senator Jim Carlson from Egan, and he contends the climate is favorable this time around. Two years ago, I sponsored a bill that increased the the fine for texting uh, in your second charge, and uh, that was a that was a good thing to do. But the problem is, of course, that people sometimes were using the excuse that they were telephoning, and that was not included with texting. So now, uh, and we've all been there, when you're at a stoplight and the person ahead of you uh, doesn't seem to get going, and you're wondering what they're doing, and then you see that they might have a a phone on their lap or a phone pasted to their steering wheel. And they're, they're not paying attention to driving, and that's one of the biggest problems we have is the inattentive driving. That's Senator Jim Carlson. At the news conference where lawmakers rolled out the bill, Rhonda Maurer told of her personal experience. I, like most people, never thought something like distracted driving would affect my life. That is, until the evening of July 21st, 2015. I received the first call saying my Uncle Chuck and the girls had been in a crash. By the time I reached the hospital, 
at 1 a.m. Chuck had already passed. I had the unfortunate, the unfortunate experience of watching someone tell my 15-year-old cousin that her dad didn't make it. It was heartbreaking to watch. 10 days after the crash and four days after we laid Chuck to rest, my cousin Cassie, who was 10, failed to make a turn towards recovery. It was a loss my family should not have had to endure. A conversation on Facebook while driving at 65 miles an hour is what took the life of Chuck and Cassie. A Ford F-150 extended cab barreled through a red light. My uncle was not the first car, but the second car to go through that intersection. He, however, did not make it through before his van was T-boned. I hear the word accident all the time. I understand the fact that you get in your car, you don't intend to hit, kill, or injure someone. The fact of the matter is, the statistics are out there. We all know them. They're plastered on billboards, TV commercials, radio commercials, the internet. With that being said, you're well aware that talking on your phone, texting on your phone while driving can kill you or somebody else. That's Rhonda Maurer. Paul Austin with the Minnesota Safety Council shared some numbers that he says are worth repeating. First of all, number three. Uh, in the world of safety, there are three pillars to working on any safety issue. You have to work on the engineering, where you try to build the risk away. You have to work on behavior, where you try to get all of us to act a little bit differently so we're not at risk. And then you put regulation in place that actually helps reinforce both the engineering and the behavior. What we're talking about with this bill today is actually changing the regulatory piece of this conversation. We're trying to make it easier for law enforcement to tell whether I'm on my phone when I'm driving or not. There are four major causes of crashes as you lay up traffic safety. Speed, distraction, fatigue, and impairment. So whenever the Safety Council thinks about moving forward on traffic, we want to work in one of those zones. Representatives Euglem and Hornstein identified distracted driving as a good place to go. So that's why we're all focused on that today. The last numbers I'd like to lay out in front of you are 1, 100, and 200. On a normal day in this state, one person dies on the roads, 100 are injured, and there's 200 crashes. This is all about preventing those at the end of the day. That's Paul Austin with the Minnesota Safety Council. Scientific research has determined that, for reasons not fully understood, having a phone conversation with someone is more distracting to the driver than talking with someone actually in the vehicle. With that in mind, we asked Bill Cosponsor, Republican Representative Mark Uglem from Champlin, why not a total ban on cell phone use while driving, either hands-held or hands-free? We have not considered that. Uh, you know, wireless communication devices are an integral part of modern society. Uh, there are some exceptions uh, in this bill uh, for uh, first responders and emergency personnel. Uh, CBs are not covered under this uh, and other things, but no, uh, at this, there's a lot of business that's done on cell phones, uh, but we feel that hands-free is the way to go at this point in time. That's Representative Mark Uglum. Scott, some lawmakers do want a total ban on cell phone use while driving, but realize that the political realities don't allow them to get the whole way there, at least not yet. Well, we'll see if they make any progress on that this session. Thank you for that report, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this.
If your walls could talk, what would they say? I have held the same mirror for 13 years. I have been decorated with purple dinosaurs, baseball teams, and football helmets. I have witnessed 33 Thanksgiving dinners and one wedding proposal. I have tiny notches marking the growth of three children. I have caused a learning disability. I am the reason that a fifth grader simply can't sit still. I am responsible for a five-year-old's rage. Just because you can't see lead paint doesn't mean it's not on walls, doors, windows, and sills. Today, lead paint poisoning affects over 1 million children. If your home was built before 1978, your family could be at risk. Let's make all kids lead-free kids. Log on to leadfreekids.org or call 800-424-LED. I am the reason a child has trouble hearing. If your walls could talk, what would they say? Brought to you by the Coalition to End Childhood Lead Poisoning. EPA, HUD, and the Ad Council. You, my friend, have connections in the government. Yes, you. USA.gov, the official source for government information on thousands of topics. And like any good connection, there's no telling where it can take you. Why, one day you're getting student loan information. Next thing you know, you need job hunting tips. Today's road construction info could have you searching for telecommuting ideas tomorrow. The more you use USA.gov, the more uses you'll find for it. Passport applications, for example. They've been known to lead to a sudden interest in travel advisories. Our new mobile apps will even update you on the go. So whether you have information to get or ideas to give your government, check out USA.gov. Who knows? Lottery results today could lead to retirement planning tomorrow. USA.gov. With the right connections, there's no telling where you can go. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. This week, the U of M Law School announced a transformational multi-million dollar gift from the Robina Foundation. The grant dollars will primarily be used to help bolster and fund comprehensive legal services to immigrants and refugees. MNN's Tasha Radel has more. That's right, Scott. The $25 million grant is the single largest philanthropic gift in the U of M Law School's history. The money will fund the newly named James H. Binger Center for New Americans. Binger was a president and chairman of Honeywell Incorporated in the 1960s and 70s. He founded the Robina Foundation before he died in 2004. Joining me today to talk about the generous donation is Depinder Mail, Director of Education and Outreach at the Center. Welcome, Professor. First of all, can you give us a little background on the gift and where it came from? The gift was um, a gift from the Rabina Foundation to the James H. Binger Center for New Americans, um, which is a center at the University of Minnesota Law School in its clinical program, and it will go towards um, a, a model um, for clinical, uh, clinical teaching uh, around immigration issues. Professor, do you feel the timing of this grant had a lot to do with the Trump administration's recent proposed travel ban? The, the Rabina Foundation has been supporting the center for, uh, since 2013. Um, so they, you know, they've been supporting us uh, um, you know, with the previous administration um, and will support us with this administration and, then, um, and we'll be around for, for decades after this. Um, so, you know, the, there are, there's definitely certainly uh, more of a, there's certainly a need in the immigrant community. Um, the immigrant community is certainly going to, is under, um, 
a significant amount of pressure um, and burdens. Um, and, uh, you know, this is going to go a long way to, to helping us support that community. Depender, I realize the $25 million is really, um, I guess, going to focus on immigration and the different issues surrounding that. But can you give us a few specific examples of maybe what the money would be used for? Absolutely. So uh, the center, um, uh, law students will be working on legal cases um, with the support of uh, center staff and professors um, and representing individuals um, in immigration uh, proceedings. Um, This includes asylum seekers who are fleeing persecution from around the world. Um, It includes individuals who are uh, detained um, and appearing before um, an immigration judge. Um, And it also includes um, supporting cases um, on appeal and uh, up to the Supreme Court as well. I'm visiting with Depender Mail, Director of Education and Outreach at the University of Minnesota Law School's James H. Binger Center for New Americans. Depender, any final thoughts here today before I let you go? Um, I'll just say um, what makes this uh, center so special is the uh, partnerships. Um, the center brings together three of the leading uh, regional nonprofits, um, the Immigrant Law Center of Minnesota, Mid Minnesota Legal Aid, and the Advocates for Human Rights, as well as three leading law firms Dorsey and Whitney, Robbins Kaplan, and Fragery Baker Daniels. Um, and it's that partnership that allows us to have a significant impact, both regionally and nationally. Thanks again to my guest, Depender Mail, Director of Education and Outreach at the U of M Law School's James H. Binger Center for New Americans. For more information on the $25 million grant from the Robina Foundation, you can head to the University of Minnesota's website. That address is twin-cities.umn.edu. Again, that's twin-cities.umn.edu. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouth full, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What tape? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Minnesota lost a true legend when Broadcasting Hall of Famer Ray Christensen died last Sunday at 92 years old. 
Christensen was best known for his role as voice of the Golden Gophers from 1951 through 2001, but was also an accomplished radio news anchor and talk show host as well. Christensen is a member of the Minnesota Broadcasters Hall of Fame, the College Football Hall of Fame, and the Golden Gopher Athletics Hall of Fame. Current voice of the Golden Gophers and sports director at MNN, Mike Grimm, joins us now to recall one of his great conversations with the late Ray Christensen. Scott, one of my biggest thrills as current voice of the Gophers was getting to know the voice of the Gophers, Ray Christensen. He was one of the most polite, gentle, compassionate, skilled men I've ever known. And one of the more compelling conversations we ever had was when I sat down with Ray in 2008 and he talked about his World War II deployment to Normandy in 1944. We were all scared silly, and silly was almost the word because we tried to make jokes. We came across on a landing ship tank. There were no tanks on it. That happened to be what was available, and they had long benches on both sides, so we were sitting shoulder to shoulder, and you could feel the fear going from one shoulder across the body to the other shoulder to somebody's shoulder to the other side of you, and there it went. And we tried to make jokes, and people laughed, but not very happily. I know I couldn't. And uh, we had had all these horror stories, true, of how people had died carrying heavy things. Well, we didn't have to do that. We went in with just our, what was on our back and equipment, and no, no rifles, no nothing. And uh, they had already marked where the mines were, so we didn't have to worry about that. We didn't have to zigzag to avoid enemy fire, because there wasn't any that day. You could hear it, but it was well inland. So... We were just given the gift of time. The previous three, two, one days had had men dying by by the thousands. And uh, I understand that uh, after we got in, uh, the action picked up briefly again. So there again, we were very, very lucky. And from there, uh, we just worked on taking troops up to the front, uh, never taking bodies back. That was not our job. And so I, as a sergeant, was in charge of running cowboy, uh, cow, uh, convoys. <laughs> no cowboys. We didn't take any chances. <laughs> now, do I remember reading in your book that uh, you maybe mentioned one time that that's the one time in your life you swore? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've sworn a few times since then, but that got me started. <laughs> yeah, one of the first nights, I think of it as the first night, and I'm not sure if it was, uh, there was no place to stay. We just slept right next to uh, one of the big bunkers that had build, been built up. And uh, I've forgotten now, they were about six feet high and uh, were made up of uh, vines and bushes and mud created over the years, uh, replacing fences, really. Fences never had started there. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, I heard this tremendous boom, and I thought, we're being bombed, I'm going to die. I went out and crawled up over this hedgerow, just now remembered the name for it, and landed on the other side, and I was all scratched up. My hands were bleeding a little bit, and I looked over, and it was one of our anti-aircraft guns going off, and I thought we were being bombed. Well, no bombs are ever dropped, and I said, you you stupid whatever it was. <laughs> you, you damn fool. I guess that's what I said. <laughs> it wasn't a, a master epithet. <laughs> and anyhow, I, I was never quite that frightened again. Yeah, wow. And then I would guess uh, happy days when you found out, hey, we're coming home. Yes, uh-huh. we, were, we were sent down. We were delayed a little while. We were in near, just outside of Marseille. And so uh, because we knew it would be a couple of weeks or more, 
they held a drawing, and three guys, and this is from a whole regiment, which is one-third of a division. It's a lot of people. Uh, and three of them would uh, then be, go to Paris, where Senator Robertson of Wyoming was going to find out more about this redeployment thing. Mine was one of the names drawn. That's how I got to Paris. Well, we uh, got there. We went by truck there and I think came back by train, which was a pretty good deal. But we got there and we went to the first meeting and Senator Robertson's first comments, as I remember, now just what is this redeployment deal? And I thought, you don't know anything about it, and you're, that's what you're starting out with. So for the rest of it, I skipped his meetings and, and traveled around Paris. I learned to ride the metro, the, their subway system, which was one of the best in the world, still is. Everything was marked in color coding. You had no trouble at all. You looked at the end line where you wanted to go. It said direction, carantan. So you walked down as far as you had to until you got that direction, and then you had went where you wanted to go. I loved Paris. It was great. And as military, we were treated beautifully. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Now, how do you think that experience shaped what would be then the rest of your life? I mean, is that something that uh, that shaped some of your thoughts and beliefs and how you led your life? I think so, because I had been very lucky. I had not been exposed to a great deal of danger. I had once been in the Jeep, uh, which was overturned by concussion by a nearby shell, and that was very unusual. So I tore open my knee just a little bit, but not bad. They could just go to the aid station uh, where they sewed it up for me. I have a tiny scar there now, and that's all. I was very lucky. It taught me that, you know, you have come close, Raymond. <laughs> and uh, above all, it, it taught me respect for the the men, I think especially D-Day up until D plus four when I came in, that a lot of men had died and made my entrance into Normandy that much easier. So I was lucky, yes, but I, I owed a debt to a lot, and I hope I've never forgotten that. That's the great Ray Christensen with me in 2008. Scott? Thank you, Mike. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.